Okay, so today's reading is from 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 15, starting um, at the beginning. Now then, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved. If you hold firmly to the word I preached to you, otherwise you have believed in vain. For what I received I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. After that he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, although some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all he appeared to me also, as to one abnormally born. For I am the least of the apostles, and do not even deserve to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God I am what I am, and his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Whether then it is I or they, this is what we preach, and this is what you believed. But if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God, for we have testified about God that he has raised Christ from the dead. But he did not raise him if in fact the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are all we are of all people most to be pitied. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of dead also comes through a man. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labour in the Lord is not in vain. Hi, everybody. So, who in this room has got nearly or completely 2020 vision? Doesn't need glasses. Just raise a hand. Your vision's really good. You just don't have glasses. Don't use them. Okay. Nice, nice um, handful. Who in this room is like me and is short-sighted and needs glasses to correct that? Yeah, I would say that was the majority. Um, and just to be complete, who's long-sighted, needs, needs glasses for short distance? Let's have a... Yes, quite a few of you as well. Okay, okay. Um, I just sense in some of that there's some denial that's being gently <laughs> challenged in family and friendship groups there. Now, in a way, the, the whole process of following Jesus could be likened to correcting eyesight, except it's not our physical eyesight, it's the eyes of our heart that need correcting. Because when it comes to our hearts, 
we all have myopia. We're all short-sighted, like I would be. If I take these off, I do know that there are other people in the room, but I have no idea who you are. And the eyes of our hearts are a bit like that. We, we don't see anything like the Lord as he is. We don't see anything like Jesus as he is. We see kind of um, a limited and an incomplete and a, and a blurry picture of who the Lord is. It's far from the reality, far from the kind of the splendor and the beauty and, and the majesty. And the Holy Spirit is in the process of correcting our vision, especially through the Bible. But there is a difference. Because glasses only work while you've got them on your head. If you take your glasses off, then it's back to the blur. But with the Spirit and, and the word of life in our hearts, the change is permanent. It's kind of ev- every day as we let the Spirit work, as we listen to God's word and let it correct our eyesight, we get a bit less short-sighted a bit more able to see what's really there. So, Lord, this morning, would you correct my eyesight, the eyes of my heart, and all our eyesight, that we might receive from you what's true and precious and learn to see a bit more what's really there. Amen. Paul is writing in Corinthians about the resurrection life of Jesus. The Corinthian church had become confused about the resurrection. But for Paul, the single most important truth in the Bible was the death and resurrection of Jesus. The cross and resurrection, which he really saw as just one event. We often preach about them separately. But he basically saw the cross and the resurrection as one single event, the most important event in the gospel or in human history. And that's going to be our topic, especially the resurrection for the next couple of months. Paul describes himself as the least of the apostles, the smallest apostle, the least significant apostle, because he persecuted the church. I love the way he does that. I love the way there's, there's no denial, there's no self-justification, there's no, well, you know, with my upbringing, what would you expect? You know, if I'd had better investment from my parents, maybe I wouldn't have... Done. You know, there's none of that. There's no self-justification It's just straight out. I hardly deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. And his entire life was reshaped on the Damascus Road when he suffered physical blindness, but God opened the eyes of his heart to see Jesus And from then on, everything shifted for him. And what Jesus did, especially in dying and being raised, that was the one thing that mattered for Paul. And so he writes, he's kind of 
This is a, this is a Pauline gospel summary. I passed on to you as of first importance what I myself had received. That Christ died for our sins according to the gospel. That he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. And then he goes on to provide kind of evidence and backup. He appeared first to Peter, then to the twelve, and then to more than 500 people gathered together. And the implication is, if you doubt what I'm saying, you can go and check it out with them. There's 500 of them, most of whom are still alive. Then to James, then all the apostles, and last of all to me as one kind of born out of time. It's not hard to believe that the world was created by God. I mean, it's not that hard. Here it is, and we're in it. It's not that hard to believe in the fall, because the evidence of sin is all around us. Even the incarnation is not that hard, because as you read the stories and teaching of Jesus, kind of just leaps out from the page that he's more than just human. But the resurrection is unambiguously crazy. It's not hard to believe that we'd kill someone like Jesus. But the resurrection is unambiguously crazy. People who are dead do not come back. Not in the Roman world, not in our world. To believe that Jesus was raised from the dead sets you on a different path. It doesn't matter whether you had a Damascus Road experience or not. Not important. If you believe that God raised Jesus from the dead, then that sets you on a different path. From the moment that Jesus was raised... As he left the tomb on Easter Sunday, the first age of the world after the fall ended. The preparation time ended. And the last age of this world began. The Father has set a date when it will all be kind of rolled up like a carpet, you know, just don't need that anymore. The Father set a date when the age will come to an end. We don't know when, but for each of us, it's not later than our last day on the planet. And this belief that Jesus was raised and is coming again, and that when he comes, he'll bring all of heaven with him, and evil will be over for all time, That is central to following Jesus. Without that, there's no gospel. As Paul puts it, if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. And those who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope, of everybody, we are the most to be pitied. But, says Paul, it is true. It may be crazy, but it is true. And when he comes, 
it will happen in an instant. You know, no long, painful process of being prepared for God. It will happen in an instant. We'll be changed. It's a mystery in the flash, in the twinkling of an eye. The dead will be raised, imperishable, and we will be changed. We don't know what what it will be like. It's like the difference between a seed and and the plant and the flower. We can't tell what it will be like. We get glimpses what what it might be like to be like Jesus, but not more than that. This is the center and the meat of the gospel. That Christ died for our sins according to the gospel. He was buried and raised on the third day. Jesus brings life. John the Apostle wrote, In him was life. The life was the light of all people. It shines in the darkness, and the darkness has never mastered it. And then later on in his letter, towards the end of his life, when he's an old man, he says, We proclaim to you the one who existed from the beginning, whom we've heard and seen. We saw him with our own eyes. We touched him with our own hands. The one who is life itself was revealed to us, and we have seen him. Jesus just carries life. I don't know if, in a small way, you, you have someone in your life who is like that, or is like that now, who just carries life. You know, when you see them, when you're with them, you're just smiling. Um, when I was little, I had a favorite uncle like that. And uh, whenever he was around, it was just fun. He teased everybody. He teased my parents. You know, he, he just created fun. He kind of, in a creative way, didn't take any notice of the rules or what you could have or what you could do. Or He just brought life. Of course, um, we didn't see him very often. And um, now I'm grown up, I'm aware how easy it is for someone who comes in from time to time to do that compared with the work of parenting. So, But he just brought life. You know, just, just when he was in the house, all the children, all of us boys were smiling all of the time. And even our parents, you know, they, they'd kind of catch it as well. But Jesus was like that a thousand times. He wasn't religious wasn't kind of solemn and it's time to go to the temple. He, he, he just carried life. When he was there, sickness ended. Demons ran away. Oppressors were silenced. Food appeared. Relationships were put in order. The sun came out. He was life and grace all the time even when he was tired and trying to get some retreat time with the team and the crowd found him. Luke reports, well, he welcomed them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God and healed their sick. He treated them as worth 
his time and love, even though they won't. And that was the Jesus that Paul saw on the road to Damascus. And Paul modelled himself on that Jesus. He saw the life in Jesus and he wanted it when Jesus offered it. And Paul comes across in the New Testament, certainly, certainly in our age, as a very kind of straight down the line, don't mess with me, don't get in the way of the gospel kind of person, as indeed he was. But that's because he didn't want anything to stop the message or revise it so it lost its grace and power. We know that Paul carried the life of Jesus because life broke out around him. Churches were planted. People were healed. People believed, often at great personal risk. Now, Paul had no doubt about whether he would experience resurrection. He was kind of challenging the Corinthian church about that. They wanted to put all their attention on this life, kind of, well, insofar as there is a resurrection, it's already happened. That was for complex reasons. Don't need to go into it this morning. But, but our world's a bit the same. We're very now people. Paul had no doubt as to what would happen to him when Jesus appeared. He knew he was implicated in the most serious crimes, murder, the death of Stephen and others, he also knew that Jesus accepted him. He knew how to engage with grace. Near the end, this is Paul writing to Timothy. Probably from a prison in Rome. The time of my death is near. I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I've remained faithful. And now the prize awaits me, the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. And the prize is not just for me, but for all who eagerly look forward to his appearing. There isn't any, oh, you know, I don't know. I don't know if I'll make the grade. You know, I've I've done a lot for God, but, you know, there's Stephen and all, all... this stuff, you know, I, I don't know. I, I'm not really, I don't know. He knew he belonged to Jesus. Just no question about it. And he trusted Jesus for what would happen on the last day. Now, in times of trial and persecution, resurrection and the last day tends to be very much in the focus of the church family just because things are so very tough and you know that you get worship songs written swing low sweet chariot coming for to carry me home because you know times are very very tough and they might be very short for us and and the end is very much in focus we don't know when we're going to get that knock on the door In times when we're less under pressure from persecution, we can lose our focus on the world to come and forget that for us, 
ultimately it's only treasure in heaven that has any enduring value. And our our vision is Sheffield transformed, make life better, make disciples. But it's with the end, the last day in mind, and not just for us. It's for the eternal harvest. It's not just this life. And for me, there's both a challenge and an invitation that, you know, that I can't avoid. Do I live like Paul did, where what is of first importance to me is that Christ died and was buried and was raised on the third day and has set a time when he will return? Do I live like a crazy person who believes the resurrection is true? Or am I trying too much to hang on to, to guard, to keep to myself the life I have here? Am I sold out for resurrection life? Am I sold out for treasure in heaven? Do I live like a crazy person who believes in the resurrection? And that's the challenge. And and I would think that all of us have a way to go on that one. But then the invitation is, here is Paul, the ex-offender at best, and he is in no doubt what will happen when Jesus returns. In a twinkling, in an instant, in the flash of an eye, I will be changed when I see Jesus. Have we got that gospel confidence? That when we see Jesus, just like that, in an instant, we will be changed. And it won't be, well, you know, the St. Peter at the gate kind of conversation. You did this, but, but you did this, but you did, you know, not quite sure how those two are going to balance out. When you see him, in an instant, you will be changed. And that will be the end only of the beginning. And you know, the really, there's, the book starts then, the story starts then, on that day. That's kind of the prologue. And then the page turns over and the story begins. Your story begins. Have you got that gospel confidence that when you see him, you're going to be changed. And I actually have a sense that that's the bit, more than the challenge, do you live like a crazy person? It may be that you really need to hear that today. Do you live like a crazy person who believes that the resurrection is true? But I think it's the gospel confidence that when you see him, you will be like him. It's, it's a big thing. So I, th- I think we should do some ministry time now, Anne, if you'd come up and help me.
Um, I'd like us to stand, and I'd like the band to come up. And I think this morning it's not a coming forward thing. It's a right where you are thing. I think we're going to worship. And, and as, as the band leads us, I'm going to pray that the Holy Spirit just comes and does that. Lord, as we worship now, as we turn our hearts to you, and as we say yes to your word and let it correct our sight, would you give us gospel confidence that when we see Jesus, we will be like him.